Good evening. I'm just going to jump right back in here. They pass around the cup, and Jesus says, While you're drinking, keep in mind that the hand of my betrayer is at the table right here with me. Behold, the hand of my betrayer is with me at the table. Verse 23 says, Then they began to question among themselves which of them it was who would do this thing. So, the cup's going around the table, and everyone's freaked out. Is, I, please, don't let it be me. Please don't let it be me. That's the cry of everybody's heart, is to see to it, I hope I'm not the betrayer. I hope I'm not the one he's talking about. And they start to question among themselves, which of them would do this thing? There is a pathway or a trajectory that starts at this very moment in the story that will end with probably the most painful moment in Peter's life. And that painful moment in Peter's life is he will find himself denying his Lord. The crazy thing is we all know that Judas is the betrayer. Judas is the one who ultimately betrays Jesus and Peter actually becomes the great apostle. But at the end of the story, you actually find that there's two people who betray Jesus. One is Judas and the other is Peter. Now, when I ask the question, is it you? And as I ask the question in my own heart, is it me? Maybe the answer is no in terms of, are you the Judas? But the answer is probably yes in terms of, are you the Peter? Yeah. And if you're the Judas, there's nothing I can do about that. Sorry. Yeah. Honestly, I don't think you should worry about it. I used to grow up worrying that I had committed the unforgivable sin. <laughs> and uh, you know what? If you are going to commit the unforgivable sin, you're not going to feel bad about it. If you have any qualms in your heart about it, that's called the fear of the Lord. And if you have any fear of the Lord, you're not going to commit the unforgivable sin, so you shouldn't worry about it. Uh, so you should not worry about whether or not you're the Judas, but you should worry about whether or not you're the Peter. Mm. Peter becomes the greatest apostle of Jesus, mm. but yet he becomes his greatest betrayer. And what I want to make plain to you today is that this just didn't happen in Peter's life. The betrayal didn't just happen, but there was a process of him getting there. Now, this is actually part six of our prayer series. And um, so we're, we're, we're going to, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm having trouble um, getting into this thing. It's, I'm still adjusting to preaching to a camera. I wish, you, give me some more amens. So yeah, <laughs> yeah. All right, thank you, okay. <laughs> So there was a process. Peter didn't just wake up and deny Jesus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There was a process. Mm. The first step of that process was pride. Mm. Pride in terms of self-reliance rather than God-reliance. Mm. So watch this. They began to question among themselves which of them would do this thing. And as their question, which of, who is it? Is it you? Is it me? 
But the very next verse says, verse 24, Now there was also a dispute among them as to which of them should be considered the greatest. So first they're arguing, I hope I'm not the betrayer. Do you think I'm the betrayer? No, I hope I'm not. I don't think you're the betrayer. It could be me. And the very next verse, they're arguing about who's the greatest. How'd they get, how did they get from, I hope I'm not the betrayer to, I think I'm the greatest wow. in one verse. Yeah, yeah. Like Jesus is watching this first. They're worried that they're the betrayer. And next they're sure each one of them. Sure. I'm the greatest. L let me tell you how I think it went down. Um, Who's the betrayer? Is it me? No, I, I, it can't be me. No, actually, there's no way it's me because I've seen more miracles than, than most of you guys. It, it can't be me because Jesus actually talks to me more than he talks to you guys. So there's no way I'm the betrayer. No, it can't be me because uh, you know I'm one of the ones he took with him up to that mountain where he was transfigured before his eyes. It can't be me because I was there. You guys weren't there. I'm the one who walked on water. You see... Self-protection became self-congratulation. It became this means by which I protect myself from any type of accusation by self-congratulating. By looking at my spiritual life and saying, yeah, I, th I think I'm good. I think I'm good. The, the disciples moved from fear of the Lord to self-congratulation. To a sense of confidence, can I say to you that no matter how spiritual you are, no matter how many years you have under your belt walking with the Lord, yeah. no matter how deep in the Word of God you are, no matter how much revelation you have, we can never come to a place in which we are confident in our spiritual life, in which yeah. we are, in which we begin to self-congratulate consistently. Because the moment I begin to self-congratulate, the moment I begin to believe that I've achieved something or I've arrived somewhere where I'm beyond, you know, the things that touch other people don't touch me because I'm so spiritual. Uh, let me say to you that if I come to that place, if anyone comes to that place, you're in danger. And many of us are in danger, and we don't even know. We're in danger. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so the Lord senses this danger and he confronts Peter with it in verse 31. And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, indeed, Satan has asked for you that he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for you that your faith should not fail. And when you have returned to me, strengthen your brethren. Jesus sees Simon going down this pathway of pride. Yeah. And so he tries to interrupt him in his pride. And he says, Satan has asked for you that he might sift you as wheat, but I have prayed for you. Jesus says yeah, to yeah, Peter, yeah. I have prayed for you. Here's what's crazy. Jesus knows that he's going to the cross like tomorrow morning. And he knows that he's getting ready to face the greatest agony of his entire life. Mm. But instead of praying for himself, he's praying for Peter. Yeah, Jesus. Mm, so good. Meanwhile, Peter keeps hearing Jesus drop these words about his coming suffering. And Peter is so worried about Jesus' suffering and confused about what that means. Hmm. And then probably relieved to surmise that he's not the betrayer. That he feels like he's fine with himself. Do you know you can be so focused on someone else's struggle that you don't know that you're in danger? You can be so focused on 
praying against COVID-19 and, and praying for your friends and family members and loved ones who, who might have COVID-19 or praying that they don't get it and praying protection over your friends and loved ones who still have to go out and work, especially if they work in the medical community on the front lines, uh, you can get so wrapped up in reading about the death, the death toll and, and, and looking at the numbers and the statistics that you don't realize you're in trouble. Yeah, yeah. Jesus looks at Peter and says, you're in trouble and you don't even know it. Wow. Why? Because you've already begun walking in pride and you don't know it. That's step one. Pride is the absence of desperation for God. If at any time I move beyond the premise in my heart that, Lord, if you don't help me, I'm lost. Wow. I'm operating in pride. Yeah. I think I got this now. I think I got this thing figured out. And that's why even pastors fall regularly. They run off with their secretaries. They take the church money. I mean, it happens all the time. Mm. There's no place where you're spiritual enough to walk safely in the realm of pride without it going before a fall. So Jesus says, Simon, Satan has desired you that he might sift you as wheat, but I've prayed for you. Yeah. Jesus has confidence in his own prayers. He says, don't worry though, I prayed for you. Yeah. I prayed for you that your faith would fail not. And so Peter's thinking, you know, maybe if Peter believed him, he would go, my faith is gonna fail not. But then Jesus says, oh, by the way, and when you have returned to me, <laughs> yeah. strengthen your brothers. When I've returned, I thought you said my faith would fail not. Yes, your faith is not going to fail, but you are going to fall away. Wow. Your faith is not, you're going to fail, but your faith is not going to fail. Your faith fails when it's over, when you walk away from the Lord and when you say this thing is done. Peter, you're going to come back. Yeah, and yeah, that's yeah. what I mean. Your faith, your faith not failing doesn't mean you never fail. It wow. simply means that you have enough faith to get up again yes. when you fall. Amen. Amen. Yeah. And so Jesus says, I prayed for you. And when you come back, strengthen your brothers. Jesus already knew that you were going to fall. Wow. He already knew. He's not surprised by it. It didn't catch him off guard. Yeah. He already knows. Now look at verse 33. But he said to him, listen to this, Lord, I am ready to go with you both to prison and to death. You see what Peter says? Lord, what are you talking about? Lord, you're tripping. You're tripping if you think I'm going to stumble. Me? I'm the, one, I'm the only one who got out of the boat and walked on water with you. I'm the one, I'm, I'm the one that you take with, with you everywhere you go. These other fools, they may, they may betray you. They may fall, but I'm ready not only to go to prison with you, but to death. Verse 34, then he said, I tell you, Peter, the rooster shall not crow this day before you will deny me three times that you know me. And now there's silence. So first there's pride. Pride is simply the premise that I'm okay. I, yeah. I don't need to be desperate for the Lord right now. Mm. I don't need to practice intentional desperation every day. I think mm. I'm, I'm doing pretty good today. I'm doing fine. Now, second step of the downward spiral is prayerlessness. Mm. He goes from pride to prayerlessness, and actually pride gives birth to prayerlessness. Typically, prayerlessness is a function of pride. Because if I think I'm okay and I'm not really desperate for the Lord, then why do I, why do I need to pray? 
what, what am I going to pray about? I'm, I'm good. I got this. I got this on lock. Yeah. All is well. Now watch yeah. this. Verse 40. He takes his disciples to the Garden of Gethsemane. Wow. And he says to them, this is Peter, James, and John, mm. pray that you may not enter into temptation. Pray. Just Watch this. Jesus is getting ready to suffer. He knows he's about to suffer. But he does not tell... See, uh, you know, I, I always imagine Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane saying to his disciples, pray for me. Don't you know I'm getting ready to go through the worst suffering of my life? I need you guys to pray for me. I need you guys to be there for me right now. Empathize with me. But Jesus, facing the worst suffering of himself, is not thinking about himself. Wow. He says wow. to his disciples, pray that you may not enter into temptation. I know you're not feeling right now, but you need, I know you're not feeling temptation right now, but you need to pray right now because later when you do feel temptation, if, you, if you're not prayed up, you're yeah. going to fall. Yeah. Pray that you do not enter into temptation. Once again, Jesus is saying to his disciples, you're in trouble and you don't even know it. Wow. But Lord, we're, we, we turned out not to be the Judas guy. It's not about the Judas guy anymore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's about you. Jesus says, pray so that you do not enter into temptation. And then he withdraws from them in verse 41. He goes a little distance away. He kneels down and he prays. And now he's praying for himself. Father, if it is your will, take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. So Jesus in his agony, Jesus in his distress, resolves in his heart to pray. This is the strength of Jesus. In his sorrow, in his distress, in his agony, he turns to the Father. Wow, yeah. Verse 43, then an angel appeared to him from heaven, strengthening him. The angel of the Lord comes to strengthen him in his distress. Why? Because in his distress, he turns to the Father. Wow. Verse 44, and being in agony, he prayed more earnestly. The strengthening of the angel did not take away his agony, hmm. but strengthened him in the midst of his agony. Yeah. Then his sweat became like great drops of blood, falling down to the ground. You imagine how much anxiety, how much distress he was in. Hmm. And then he rose up from prayer and he comes to his disciples and he finds them sleeping. Hmm. Verse 46, then he said to them, why do you sleep? Rise and pray lest yeah, you enter yeah. into temptation. He's waking up this, he's telling them, y'all need to pray right now. Do you realize yeah. what time it is? Do you realize the hour is so short that you need to be praying right now? They're like, but Lord, there's nothing happening. Why should we pray now? That's, see, this is the thing we don't get, that oftentimes when you're praying, you're pre God is preparing you for something that is not yet. Yeah. Something that's down the road, something that you can't even see right yeah, now. Yeah. And so often we wait till the, the calamity hits to, wow. to decide to pray, and it's too late. Wow. Pridefulness gave way to prayerlessness. Wow. And now Jesus is waking them again Jeez. and saying, mm. you got to pray. 
But verse 47, And while he was still speaking, behold, a multitude. And he who was called Judas, one of the twelve, went before them and drew them to Jesus, drew near to Jesus to kiss him. It's too late. It's too late to pray now, Peter. It's too late to pray now, James. Too late to pray now, John. The multitude is here. Now the test begins. But you're already set up to fail the test. Because first you were moving in pride. And now pridefulness has given birth to prayerlessness. Mercy. Step three, acting out in the flesh. Hmm. First, self-reliance rather than God-reliance. That's called pride. Step two, prayerlessness. Step three, acting out in the flesh. When those around him saw what was going on, they said to him, Lord, shall we strike with the sword? And one of them struck the servant of the high priest and cut off his right ear. So Peter, he sees this multitude coming to take Jesus and he thinks, shoot, I'm about to fight. And he draws his sword and cuts off the the right ear of the high priest's servant. Verse 51, but Jesus answered and said, permit even this. And he touched his ear and healed him. Translation, Jesus says, Peter, this is not the way. You're in the flesh because you're fighting with the wrong weapons. You're in the flesh. You see, the the definition of being in the flesh is living by your own power, taking matters into your own hands. The flesh is the realm of self-protection. It's the realm of of self-gratification. And it's the realm of self-actualization. It's the realm in which, which you decide for yourself what you need for yourself and you do for yourself and by yourself what must be done for yourself and by yourself. The flesh is the realm where you, t- you trust yourself and only yourself. And you do what you want to do yeah. and only what you d- want to do. And you handle things by your own power and only by your own power. And we don't even realize that we're in yeah. the flesh sometimes. Yeah. You think that the flesh is just the realm of pornography or... You know, you think the flesh is the realm of anger or mouth. No, those things happen in the flesh, but you get in the flesh long before you do any of those wow. things. Yeah. The flesh is simply the realm in which you trust yourself. And they were in the flesh. Peter was in the flesh. But the moment they began to move in pride, they were in the flesh. Hmm. Self-reliance, that's the flesh. But now they're acting out in the flesh. Hmm. Now that they've been in the flesh through pride... Hmm. And they've given room to the flesh through prayerlessness. Now, there's nothing to check his acting out in the flesh. You see, when you're in the spirit, you are conscious of the desires of God. You know when you're grieving God and you know when you're pleasing him. Had Peter been in the spirit at that moment, even reaching for his sword, he would have sensed that it was grieving the spirit of God and he would have stopped There's something we call a check in your spirit. It's simply when the Holy Spirit, sometimes it's just a negative feeling that comes from the Holy Spirit that says, don't do this. Don't say what you're about to say. Don't do what you're about to do. Don't do it. 
But when we walk so far from God through prayerlessness and pride, we can't even hear the Holy Spirit check our hearts. And we move boldly in the flesh and act out. It gets worse, folks. That's just the first three steps. Number four. Number four. Watch this. Following at a distance. Verse 54. Having arrested him, they led him and brought him into the high priest's house. But Peter followed at a distance. So Peter's following, but he's following at a distance. So first you move in pride and then prayerlessness. Then you act out in the flesh. And next you've got to put some distance between you and Jesus. Because acting out in the flesh produces shame. And once I begin to experience shame, now I've got to put some distance between me and Jesus. That's called a spirit of fear. And we've talked about this before, that the difference between the fear of the Lord and the spirit of fear is that the spirit of, the Lord, the spirit of fear will cause you to put distance between you and Jesus. But the fear of the Lord will cause you to close the distance between you and Jesus. The fear of the Lord is fear of being far away from him. The spirit of fear is fear of being close to him. Peter is now moving in the spirit of fear. He's now operating in shame. Why? Because he just got done acting out in the flesh. Why? Because he was prayerless. Why? Because he was prideful. And so Peter follows at a distance. Still following Jesus, but at a distance. Still going to heaven when you die, but you're following at a distance. And wow. this, this is where most believers live their lives. Wow. Following Jesus, but at a distance. Jesus. Following Jesus, but so far behind him that if he whispers, you can't hear his whisper. If he speaks, you can't hear him speak. If he turns to the right or to the left, you can't see where he's going. You're following, but at a distance. Hmm. Step four. Verse 55, now when they had kindled a fire in the midst of the courtyard and sat down together, Peter sat among them. Step four is warming, warming yourself at the fire of the world. <laughs> Peter follows at a distance and then he warms himself at the fire of the world. When they had kindled a fire in the midst of the courtyard and sat down together, Peter sat down among them. Mm. Meaning Peter wanted to be seen as one of them. He wanted to blend in. Mm. He wanted to be incognito at that moment. He didn't want to stick out. He didn't want to be noticed. Why? He wanted to be accepted. He wanted to protect himself yeah. from persecution he did, want, not, he did not want to share in the plight of Jesus. Mm. At this moment, he had already moved so far away mm. that he did not want to be associated with Jesus in any way. He's warming himself at the fire of the world. He is now sitting, what does uh, Psalm chapter 1 say? Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the, of the ungodly. Peter is sitting in the counsel of the ungodly. 
nor stand in the way of sinners. Peter is standing right in the way of sinners. Nor sitting in the seat of the scornful. Peter is sitting in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. What does that mean? Don't spend any time with unbelievers. That's not what it means at all. We're supposed to connect with unbelievers. it's, It's not a flight from the world. But we're supposed to be the light of the world. We're supposed to connect, but as the light, not as mimicking darkness. You have to ask yourself the question that when you are with your unbelieving friends, are you with them as the light? Or are you presenting yourself as no different? Are you simply warming yourself at the fire of the world? Do you have unbelieving friends that you connect with on a regular basis that you have never shared the gospel with? That you've never shared the reality of what Jesus has done in your life? And if they look at your life, can they see anything different about your life than theirs? Are you the light or are you hidden under a bowl? I'm not saying you got to be preachy. There's the right way to do it and the wrong way to do it. You should never be preachy. But the point is, Jesus, uh, Peter at this moment, wanted no association yeah. with Jesus. Yeah. And oftentimes when you, when you are living, in, when you're walking in pride and self-reliance and prayerlessness, yeah. you've acted out in the flesh and now you're following Jesus at a distance. Now you go connect with your unbelieving friends, I guarantee you, you're warming your hands at the fire of the world. You're not with them as, as the light. You're an incognito. <laughs> you're hiding. You're trying to protect yourself. You're seeking acceptance and connection. Why? Because you're disconnected from the acceptance and love that only comes from the presence of Jesus. Mm. And now we get to the final step. Denial and dissociation. Uh Verse 56. And a certain servant girl, seeing him as he sat by the fire, looked intently at him and said, This man was also with him. Verse 57. But he denied him, saying, Woman, I do not know him. 58. And after a little while, another saw him and said, You also are of them. But Peter said, Man, I am not. Then after about an hour had passed, another confidently affirmed, saying, Surely this fellow also was with him, for he is a Galilean. But Peter said, Man, I do not know what you are saying. Immediately, while he was still speaking, the rooster crowed, and the Lord turned and looked at Peter. Then Peter remembered the word of the Lord, how he had said to him, Before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. So Peter went out and wept bitterly. Mm. I see Peter running out and weeping and asking, how did I get here? Yeah. Yeah. And remembering Jesus saying, behold, the hand of my betrayer is with me at the table. And Peter thinking in his heart, is it me? Mm. No, it can't be me. It's got to be that Judas guy. It can't be me. It's got to be that Judas guy. Mm. And now Peter is weeping and saying, it was me. Mm. It was me. It was me. But how did I get there? Have you ever asked that question? How did I get here? 
How could I possibly have gotten to this place? How could I possibly be this far from God? How could I possibly, how could I possibly be at this moment where Jesus is in agony? How could I forget? How could I have forgotten all that He's done for me? How could I have forgotten all of the words that? How could I have forgotten all of the 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 grace that He's shown me over my life? I'll tell you how I could forget. First, I operate in pride, where. I just wake up one day and I think, I think I'm good. Wow. Wow. I don't heed the warnings I'm given. I hear sermons being preached that might convict other people's hearts, but I'm thinking, man, that's for them. It's not for me. I'm glad he's talking to you because those people, they need it. But me, I'm good. And pride gives way to prayerlessness. Because since I'm good... I don't need to pray quite as much as these other people need to pray. Yeah. And prayerlessness leads to acting out in the flesh. And when I do act out in the flesh, I go, oh, where did that come from? Mm. That's strange. How did that happen? Where did yeah. that come from? Yeah. Well, no, it's not strange. Mm. Started with pride, led to prayerlessness, and then acting out in the flesh... And once I've acted out in the flesh and shame kicks in, now I got to follow at a distance. And once I begin to follow at a distance, I'm going to warm myself at the fire of the world. And once I begin warming myself at the fire of the world, it's not long before I begin to dissociate myself Mm -hmm. and I begin to deny him. Mm -hmm. And Peter, in the midst of his final denial, Man, I don't know what you're talking about. Another gospel says he begins to call down curses on himself. Mm. I don't know what you're talking about. And in the midst of those words, I, ne- I do not know the man. I don't. And at the, as the words are coming out of his mouth, his eyes meet Jesus. Jesus. That Jesus is right inside the court over there mm. being tried. Mm. And at that very moment, somehow through the court, the eyes of Jesus and the eyes of Peter meet. Mm. And before the words finish coming out of Peter's mouth, Mm. he remembers. Just a few hours ago, Jesus told me that this was going to happen. How could I forget Mm. what Jesus just told me last night? How could I forget? You ever had this experience? And you, you know, I've had this experience many times and I've seen many people in the body of Christ have this experience where you have a powerful encounter with God where he reveals powerful truths to you and you're in the flesh 45 minutes later or an hour later or you fall back into the same trap that the Lord just pulled you out of. How did I forget so quickly? Maybe it was a day, maybe it was three days, maybe it was a week, maybe it was a month, but you find yourself asking, well, maybe that wasn't real. No, that was real. What God did in your life was real. It was not fake. You say, man, I thought I was delivered. Yes, you were delivered. But there's a difference between deliverance and stewardship. It doesn't mean the deliverance wasn't real. It simply means it was not stewarded. And our stewardship of our deliverance starts with refusing to walk in pride. Mm. Instead, walking in intentional surrender and intentional desperation Mm. every day. Yes. Desperation must be the daily discipline of the believer. 
Desperation is the daily discipline of the disciple. I wish I could put that up in words. Desperation is the daily discipline of the disciple of Jesus. What is desperation? Lord, I may not feel desperate right now, but I confess that if you don't help me, I'm lost. Wow. Yeah. And that if I stray, if I stray today, no matter how long I've been walking with you or how close, if my heart strays from you today, mm. I can fall into the deepest pit I could ever imagine yes. and be lost there forever. Mm. So Lord, I need mm. your help. Mm. That is dependence. And that is the foundation of faith. Dependence. Dependence upon Jesus. Mm. And that is what fuels your prayer. We wonder why. Why is it that I can't pray? I'll tell you why you can't pray. Because you're not desperate. Because you don't feel like you need it. Or you don't feel like it works. Mm. And you're disillusioned. Mm. Pride leads to prayerlessness. Prayerlessness leads to acting out in the flesh. Mm. Acting out in the flesh leads to following at a distance. Following at a distance leads to warming yourself at the fire of the world. And warming yourself at the fire of the world Mm. leads to denial and dissociation. But Mm. here's the beautiful part. Mm. The last verse of this passage. Peter went out and wept bitterly. Mm. It's a beautiful, 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 beautiful verse. Peter went out and wept bitterly. This is how I know that his faith didn't fail. Because if you can still grieve over your own sin, Mm. your faith hasn't failed. Amen. If you can still grieve over your own sin, your faith hasn't failed. Peter went out and wept bitterly. Mm. Which means his Mm. pride was broken. Yeah, yeah. Which means his self-reliance was broken. Wow. His sense of having it all together was broken. Mm. His sense of spiritual superiority mm. over other people was broken. Wow. Yeah. His sense that if everybody else left Jesus, he would never leave Jesus was broken. Wow. His failure actually led Wow. To humility. Wow. And guess what? Peter becomes a man of prayer. Mm. Why? Because yeah. humility gives birth to prayerfulness. Wow. And guess what? Peter never followed Jesus at a distance again. He followed right close behind him for the rest of his life. Mm. And guess what? Peter never warmed himself. He never acted out in the flesh. He never warmed himself at the fire of the world. And wow. he never, mm. ever, mm. ever denied Jesus. Again. Wow. Now, this is, this is the beautiful part of it. We all have pride flare-ups from time to time. <laughs> yeah. Anytime you look down on somebody else and look up, uh, look up to yourself, you look down on somebody else, that's pride. You judge someone else's sin as more heinous than yours, I just don't get it. Of course you don't get it. It's not your weakness. It's theirs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. God doesn't get your weakness. <laughs> Whenever you stand in judgment of anyone, 
That's called pride. Mm -hmm. And you know what? It happens in our hearts yeah. all the time. Yeah. I have pride flare-ups where I have these moments where all of a sudden I realize by the Spirit of God, and it's only the Spirit of God that causes you to realize that's pride. That's pride. Mm -hmm. Just even micro pride where I begin to feel somewhat superior to other believers. Mm -hmm. That sets me up. But here's the beautiful thing. Jesus, seeing that this was happening in the hearts of his disciples, takes Peter, James, and John to the Garden of Gethsemane with them, and he says, pray. Pray lest you enter into temptation. You see, what Jesus was saying is, had those three disciples simply gotten on their faces before God at that moment, God would have broken their pride, and the whole trajectory would have been broken by prayer. Yeah. You take prayer out, you've got pride, and then you've got flesh, and then you've got distance, and then you've got the fire of the world, and then you've got denial. But you interject prayer wow. into any one yes, of those places. Yes, yes. If you simply stop and pray, you can break the cycle. Mm. Okay, pride. Okay, now you've acted out in the flesh, but now get on your face and pray. Okay, pride, you've acted out in the flesh, and now you're following the distance from a distance. Now get on your face and pray. Okay, you've had pride, and you've... you've uh, um, You've acted out in the flesh, you follow Jesus at this, and you find yourself warming your hands at the table of the world. Now stop and pray. Wow. At any place where you interject prayer. Wow. And, and, may, and you know what? Maybe you don't make it. Maybe wow. you did pride and, 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 and flesh, mm. and then you, follow, you act, follow at a distance, and then you've warmed yourself, and you've even denied, and you wake up there. Now pray. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The point is... Prayer breaks the cycle, stops the cycle, overcomes the cycle, breaks the power of the cycle, destroys the cycle, and brings you into a new cycle. Amen. Yes. Where all of a sudden yes. you're walking in humility. Yes. And humility gives birth to, instead of acting in the flesh, you're acting in the spirit. So good. And then when you're acting in the spirit, you're moving in the spirit, you're following close to Jesus. Your soul is following hard after yes. him. And then when your soul is following hard after him, you're warming yourself by the fire of the Lord. The power of God begins to move towards you. And, and then finally, instead of denying him, you confess him and you're yeah. declaring him as yeah. Lord. And that's what happened on the day of Pentecost. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is Peter entered into a new cycle mm. that happened yeah. over and over again for the rest of his life. And this is why there's no condemnation. There's no condemnation because you can break the cycle. You can break the cycle right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you can break, and it doesn't mean if you break the cycle right now, it doesn't mean the cycle will not stop, start again. The cycle will start again, but you can break it. You can break it the moment it starts again. You feel that pride rising up in your heart? Pray. You feel like you're, at, you're moving into the flesh, you're acting in the flesh? Pray. You feel like you're at a distance from Jesus? Yeah. Pray. Yeah. You find yourself warming your hands at the table of the world? Pray. 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 You find you've denied, you've dissociated yourself from Jesus. You had an opportunity to, to associate yourself with Jesus, but you dissociated yourself with him? Pray. Yeah. Pray. Yeah. Pray. Yeah. Pray. Yeah. 
pray. Watch and pray lest you enter into temptation. And we are entering into a season and a time. We are in it right now in which there has never been more of a demand for prayer upon us than right now. Jesus, at the very moment Peter was at the end of his cycle, denying Jesus. Mm. Jesus was at the beginning of his. Mm -hmm. Because in the garden, he prayed. And because he prayed, mm. he was moving in the spirit, even in the midst of great suffering. Yeah, yeah. He's acting in the spirit. He's mm. following the Father. Not my will, but yours be done. And he's entering into the greatest agony and the greatest suffering, not only of his life, but that has ever been experienced in the history of the world. You say, why was the suffering of Jesus greater than the greatest suffering that has ever been experienced in the history of the world? I'll tell you why. Because the suffering of Jesus was not only his own suffering, wow. but the suffering of Jesus incorporated mm. all of the suffering that the world has ever suffered. Amen. He took to himself the sum total mm. of anguish and he drank that cup to the very dregs. All of the pain and mm. agony and all of the sin mm. and sickness mm. of history was laid upon him mm. on the cross. Amen. Amen. Mm. Jesus broke the cycle mm. by his blood. He broke the cycle. And I want to invite you to respond from your heart at this moment. Mm. I want to invite you to be honest with yourself and to do some business with God tonight. Mm. Do some business with God. Some of you are in the midst of the cycle right now. I wow. sense it in the spirit yeah, yeah. so clearly. Yep. You're in the middle of that yeah. cycle. Some of you were acting out in the flesh before you turned on this service tonight. Wow. Say, how do you know when you're acting out in the flesh? Well, let me ask you a question. Uh, how are your relationships doing? Is there tension in your marriage? You're in the flesh. Um, are you gorging food, which is the most socially acceptable drug of choice? Uh, you're in the flesh. Mercy. Are you falling back into addictive patterns of behavior? You're in the flesh. And And here's... A quick and easy way. Are you spending deep, intimate time with God on a daily basis? If not, my friend, you're in the flesh. Some of you, you haven't acted out in the flesh yet, but you're walking in pride. Mm. And prayerlessness mm. is a sign of your mm. pridefulness. Mm. Because if you feel okay mm. being prayerless, yeah. you're prideful. Wow. Wow. You're not practicing intentional desperation. Wow. You see, I don't feel desperate. Good. It's a discipline. You don't have to feel it. You don't have to feel desperate to know you're desperate. It's a practice. And I, I just want to invite you right now to come to the cross of Jesus. Wow. To come to the cross of Jesus. Yes, Jesus, Jesus. To come to the cross of Jesus because Jesus, all of your failure and all of my failure, Jesus, he bore on his body Jesus, on the cross. And I just want you to bow your head just for a moment. And we're just going to have a little bit of a time of prayer. And I just want you to confess to God, where are you in the cycle? Is it you? Are you the one? Are you the one? Are you the betrayer? Where are you in the cycle? 
Maybe you find yourself in the cycle right now where you say, I found myself warming my hands at the, at the fire of the world. Denial is next. You need to pray and you need to pray right now. Not after the service, right now. I want you to get on your knees right now in your home. I want you to get down on your hands and knees right now in your home. And I want you to repent before God. Now repentance, repentance is not saying I'm sorry. That's part of it. That's part of repentance. Repentance, the word repent simply means to turn. It means to turn back to God. Turning back to God, when I find myself in pride, I'm gonna turn back to God. Turning back to God, when I find myself in the flesh, turning back to God, turning away from my own way, turning away from, from the things that I hold dear, from the things that I believe uh, to be right, turning, turning back to God right now. It's time for us to pray. Come on, baby. It's time for us to pray and to seek God's face. It's time for us to return to the Lord. Come on in. Amen. Yes, Lord Jesus. Jesus, 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 we come before you. Yes, we do. Yes, we do. Spirit of God, we ask that you would, God, come surround each person, God, in their homes right now, hearing this message. Holy Spirit, as we draw near to you tonight, God, through hearing of your word, Holy Spirit, will you speak to our hearts and our spirits? Show us where we are at in this cycle, God. God, some of us we've been okay God we've been okay but we don't want to be okay but we don't know we don't know how to be not okay God wherever we're at will you speak to us so that we could interject prayer tonight and break the cycle Holy Spirit visit every home right now God wherever we are at wherever each person is at in the cycle as we pray tonight as we interject prayer tonight tonight break the cycle God break the cycle God break us out of pride God break us out of prayerlessness Lord Spirit of God we ask Lord that you would help us God to take our hands off of the fire of this world God we want to follow you closely so that we would know and sense and hear your heart God and hear your voice Lord Holy Spirit tonight tonight stop the cycle God so many of us started this process through fasting and in prayer and God I know I know some of you some of you you feel like oh pastor I tried but I failed I tried but I didn't feel spiritual I tried but I couldn't break through I want you to know that it is still powerful and tonight right now as you go before God God is going to bring break get off of you break the cycle off of you and infuse his spirit upon you tonight you know why because we have come together and we have remembered the cross the blood of Jesus and you know what right now as we pray as we seek him that blood is still powerful right. to break that cycle off of you that's right that's right hmm. so tonight right now wherever you're at Come on, open your hands, open your hearts and invite the Holy Spirit to speak to you mm. and to reset your faith, to reset your spirit according to the kingdom of God, according to the heart of our Father. Spirit of God, Father, I have faith. We have faith tonight. 
that you are going to break that prayerlessness off of us. And that from tonight, you're going to infuse this hunger, this desperation for more of you. God, to seek you and to love you. God, as we confess tonight, as we repent tonight, God, your blood covers us and cleanses us. God, and forgives us. And you are making us new. You are making us new. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. You know, church, I really believe with all of my heart, this word was timely for every single one of us. And tonight, as we really pondered upon the cross of Jesus. The blood of Jesus is going to really break us from the cycle we've been in. And God is going to take us to, a to another level in our intimacy with God. Will you position your hearts to expect that? Yeah. I want you to renounce doubt. Hmm. Renounce unbelief. I don't know in Jesus' name. That's right. Tonight, he breaks that off. And we're going to go deeper in our intimacy with God. And we're going to interject prayer every day now. Yep. We're going to right. walk with intentional, huh? Mm. Intentional, desperation intentional desperation for more of God every day. So Amen? Amen. Yeah.